Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the WrestleCast review of Friday Night Smackdown. I'm Shozy. Hi, I'm Joe. And together, our tag team brings to you the latest updates and results from Friday Night Smackdown. And I was extremely confused when it kicked off because right here on the first point I have written was AJ Styles and Matt Riddle promo. But it turned Mm -hmm. out to be tens of other superstars, and I had no clue where this was going. I'm guessing they were trying out a new way of starting the show. Yeah, it was like promo mania, wasn't it? I was not sure what was happening. I was practically sat having an anxiety attack trying to keep (laughs) up. I was like, what is happening? I thought I was hearing voices in my head. But yeah, I think they were just trying something new out. And to be honest, we said this last week, we were kind of pretty much ready for Extreme Rules last weekend so it kind of feels like just putting the finishing touches on how can they amp the pressure up to 11 kind of thing i think they were just trying something new once i adjusted i didn't hate it i thought it's different i get kind of why they did it it was almost like the start of a reality tv show wasn't it where it's like snippets of the conversations that you're gonna hear coming up and the drama ahead i mean i wouldn't start every show like that considering it was the first time i've seen it it probably had the most amount of impact it's going to have do you know what i mean if it was every week I'd get a bit bored, but as a one-off, I was all right with it. How did you feel? I had no clue what was happening. I had to go online and rewind the entire thing, watch it again to understand what was going on, because I've never seen a show kick off like this one. So many people cutting so many promos, saying so many things. I was just absolutely confused. To be honest, like I said, I didn't really mind it because it kind of teed up the rest of the evening, and it left me thinking, hey, perhaps we're going to get quite a few matches. And it did feel like we got quite a lot of match time overall. And there were some really good matches, I thought, on the show. So I didn't hate it. It got me pretty amped for things to come. And it kicked off the show with a bit of drama. Not perhaps the most groundbreaking way of doing it in terms of, oh my gosh. But then we're heading into the pay-per-view. Everything is pretty much teed up to where it's going to be, yeah? Everything's ready to serve almost, isn't it? So... Like I say, I didn't hate it. Yeah, we saw AJ and Riddle with a bit of back and forth. Then we also saw Alexa Bliss talk up her mystery guest. We heard from Miz and Morrison, who were talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme and beating him up on a yacht, and how that equated to Morrison's match to be with Braun Strowman. Braun basically said, Morrison is going to be a bit of a sneak peek into the horror show tonight. We heard from Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, basically saying, we're going to win the tag team titles. Then the New Day said, no, you're not. We are. And that was quite cool because it led into their introduction where they went, oh, people at home, and then walked down to the ring. That was fun. And we got to kick off the night with what I thought was a good singles match between Big E and Cesaro. It definitely was. Both of them are powerhouses. And like I've said before, they complement each other perfectly. It was a perfect showing of athleticism and technical wrestling from Cesaro. And just to balance everything out, Big E had that powerhouse ability to just seal the deal with this match. And to be honest, I didn't really know which way this was going because Big E started off really strong, got me thinking, okay, this is probably going to fall into the New Day's hands and then they're going to be able to choose a stipulation, which was what this match was all about. The winner gets to choose the stipulation for Extreme Rules. Yeah, I thought this was a bit of a curveball. I love this. So here's the deal, right? Snickers and Dollar Plus shoppers voted on the kind of match that they were going to have. But this is my favorite thing. The vote was too close to call. It's either even or it's not. One won or it didn't. So what you're telling me is that all these people who eat Snickers, all these people that shop at Dollar Plus, the exact same number of people voted. How can it be too close to call? It's either equal or it's not. It's not like a, a wrestling match where it's back and forth or you think, you know, he's going to win or a sports event. It's a vote. There's either a winner or a loser. Anyway, you're right, though. It was a good match. And I just love seeing Cesaro lift Big E so easily. He swung him around like a cat. No one can do that except Cesaro. It was so cool. And there was action inside the ring, outside the ring, on the apron as well. It was really entertaining. And I kind of liked the scuffle, the chaos that ensued towards the end where it looks almost like the referee got injured, which allowed Nakamura to hit Big E in the face with a sneaky kick before Cesaro hit the neutralizer and picked up the pin. The momentum is all Nakamura and Cesaro going into extreme rules, isn't it? It definitely is. After what they did last week with putting Kofi and Big E through a table and then attempted to do the same thing this week, but that all came to an end when Kofi Kingston 
magically jumped over that top rope, and God knows how he does it. Every time I see it, I'm enthralled. He pulled out the table that Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro already had outside the ring, and he set up Cesaro on that table. Biggie then came into play when he got onto the turnbuckle, was ready to boost Kofi Kingston so he could take out Cesaro on the table. But just in time, Cesaro and Nakamura were able to escape and were able to avoid what they did to the New Day last week. Yeah, it was interesting. I did not know what Kofi was going for off the top rope there where he was kind of pivoting off the big ear. I thought, what are we about to see here? And that kind of jumping swanton over the top rope to the outside was incredible. Every time I see Kofi Kingston do that, I look at myself and think, I struggle to get out of bed. And here he is. Like this guy, he's been wrestling for 20 odd years. It's outrageous. Normally, there's the kind of formula or what's been known as a bit of a formula when it comes to pay-per-views. It's always used to happen with The Undertaker going to the WrestleMania. The week before, the person who's going to win at the pay-per-view is laid out on their back on the TV show before, and then they go over at the pay-per-view. And that's just kind of the way it usually goes and the way it's been for years. Not always, but a lot of the time. Yeah, I just don't know because we talked about this last week with Nakamura and Cesaro. I think it's time to pull the trigger on them, give them the belts. I think they could have a really good title run, allow the New Day to do something else. We've seen a belt on them eight times now. And they're awesome. They're amazing. But I think the time has come for a change of hands. But it would be quite a spectacle, really, considering that Nakamura and Cesaro have pretty much dominated the entire rivalry. That's why I was thinking, right, Cesaro's going to go through this table and then they'll win the belts. But he didn't and they got away. So, uh, I don't know. Does that mean they're definitely going to lose? Does it mean they're changing things up? I don't know. But I like not knowing because I'm excited to go into Extreme Rules now. What would come next was quite telling. King Corbin had an interview backstage, didn't he, regarding Matt Riddle, saying Matt Riddle can't even remember to put his shoes on. How is he going to win the Intercontinental title? He's playing with fire and he's going to get burned and predicted that Riddle wouldn't go on and win the Intercontinental title later that night. I quite like this from King Corbin. It was fierce, it was concise, it was to the point. I'm loving where Corbin's going at the moment. Definitely. He's really marked his spot with his current character of being King Corbin, which I feel is way better than back when he was just bearing Corbin on his own. The King mm. Corbin persona really brings out the best in him, and it gives him that opportunity to do really well. You could say his last character was particularly... Baron in personality. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. We've started. We've started and we're only about like eight minutes in. This is great. We should have a bell go off every time one of your puns comes in. We should. I could be the pundertaker. <laughs> I could lead the pundisputed era. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, if you haven't switched off yet, you have now. <laughs> but I agree with you on the character front. I agree with you. I love where he's going, and I think this is the best of his kind. Then it would jump straight back to Cesaro and Nakamura, wouldn't it? It definitely would. From there, we saw Cesaro asking Nakamura what type of stipulation it should be, what he thought was the best one. Nakamura proposed a steel cage match, but Cesaro was opposed to the fact because he said that I couldn't watch the New Day in the steel cage. From there, Cesaro would then say the best way to do it would be a tables match. We put him through tables last week. After we put them through the table at Extreme Rules, it's going to be us who walk out as tag team champions. Exactly. I love that they did this, but it was always going to be a tables match. It's nice that they tried, <laughs> just to try and divert us mildly. But it was always going to be a tables match. They've been pulling out the tables for weeks. How is it ever not going to be a tables match? We said this last week. We said they'll probably have a tables match at Extreme Rules. My money's on the Dudley boys coming out. Yes, bring it on. Get the tables. <laughs> I'd be all over that. I'd be so up for that. To be honest, the way Extreme Rules is shaping up, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, we'll talk about our predictions going in, but it's nice to see a tables match back on the card. I haven't seen a tables match for ages. It doesn't seem like that anyway. There'll probably be someone on Instagram or Twitter who'll call me out and say, well, actually, last year, Joe, at TLC, there was a tables match. But it doesn't feel like there's been this much heat and hype around a tables match for a while. Definitely, there hasn't been much of a scene for a table match, but seeing the momentum behind the tag team titles match from SmackDown going into Extreme Rules, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. And I want to see how this plays out. It'd be great to see Cesaro and Nakamura as champions. 
because that way the new day can move on to better things in my opinion because they have absolutely nothing left to prove they've had great title runs they've had great storylines and this could possibly be a little break for them yeah, I'd love to see New Day mix it up a bit. Kofi had his singles run. Maybe it's time for Big E to have a bit of a run. They've proven that they can have a focus on one of the stars having an individual singles run while still maintaining the harmony of the group. So why not do it with Big E? It's about time maybe they put him in the Intercontinental title picture or something. Maybe throw him up there for a main event slot. Who knows? But like you say, I think there's more for them to do. Next up was a moment of bliss. So earlier, Alexa teased that we were going to have a mystery guest. Alexa and Nikki were in the ring. They wanted to commemorate five years of the women's evolution. It was the five-year anniversary since we were introduced to Sasha Banks, Charlotte Flair. And help me out here. Help me out. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, there we go. I got there in the end. And she had a few predictions as well. So as well as looking at the past, she was looking into the future. She said the Lakers are going to win the NBA. Riddle's going to beat AJ Styles for the Intercontinental title. Braun will beat Bray. And that her guest will tear off the roof on Sunday. But we didn't get to see the guest, did we? We didn't. Instead, we got Nikki Cross talking about how she thought that she was the special guest and she went on to say, I'll take down Bailey. I'll definitely come out as champion on Sunday. I'll be the one who tears the roof off of this place. And in the background, Alexa's just trying to stop her. I said, Nikki, 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 it's not you. It's not you. It's not you. And right before that, we heard a story about how Alexa felt like a clairvoyant, a person who could see the future. From there, Nikki Cross would again take over, talking about how good her Aunt Claire makes shepherd's pie one of those little sparks of where nikki cross shines the most from there we would see bailey and sasha banks interrupt by saying that they are the foundation of the women's evolution it's because of them that the evolution got so far they are the pioneers especially after they were the first ever women's tag team champions it's because of them everything in the women's evolution is where it is today now before we move on do you want to know something quite quintessentially British. Do you know the difference between a shepherd's pie and a cottage pie? I'm guessing a cottage pie is cheese and a shepherd's pie is meat. Cheese? Who lives in these cheese cottages? What England have you been to? (laughs) (laughs) If you want to guess, fair play. Do you know what? Both taste great with melted cheese on. Shepherd's pie is lamb and cottage pie is beef. There you go. Bit of Anglo trivia for you. So then we'd see Bailey and Sasha Banks come down the ramp, like you said. They were having none of it. They came down before whoever the special guest was and said, you didn't credit us. We are the forefront of the women's evolution. We paved the way for everybody else. Nikki, you're going to be back in Alexa's shadow after I beat you at Extreme Rules. And Sasha's going to beat Oscar and we're going to hold all the gold in the women's division. And that was pretty much it. And then they decided we're going to come down and pick a fight with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. But that did not last long because we were then introduced to the special guest. And the special guest was none other than the Empress of Tomorrow, the Raw Women's Champion, Asuka. Now, as Asuka was getting ready to come down the ramp into the ring, Sasha Banks and Bailey decided to attack Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross with Asuka running to their aid. The fight spilled outside and from there, Alexa said that you women need to settle this right here in the ring right now. So let's get a referee. And before the match started, we got a little prediction from Daniel Bryan about what he thought about the intercontinental title match of AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle. He said that AJ has the potential to be one of the greatest intercontinental champions in the history of the business if he embraces the opportunities. But he may have a very short run if he doesn't defend the title like a champ would and if he looks for the easy way out. This was quite bizarre. I didn't feel like that whole flow between Bliss and the others needed interrupting. And we were told that we would hear from a plethora, a whole host of superstars across the evening regarding their predictions. But literally, we only heard from Daniel Bryan. (laughs) So, not quite sure what happened there. Maybe they got kicked out of the Zoom call. I don't know, but... <laughs> it was all right. It's always nice to see Daniel Bryan, but I could have lived without him. And the focus was then shifted back onto what was happening in the ring. We got this impromptu tag match between Banks and Bailey versus Oscar and Nikki Cross. I was pumped for this match. I thought, this is awesome. There are so many dynamics going on here. Both these guys have got respective singles matches and extreme rules. We've got three of the 
biggest names in women's wrestling and Nikki Cross proving her worth as well. A great chance for Nikki Cross to embed herself into that mix. And just lots of different dynamics. We had the whole Oscar gets to go against Banks, Bailey gets to go against Nikki Cross. We got to see champion versus champion. I had a lot of time for this match. It was one of my favorite matches of the evening. There was some really nice heel work from Sasha and Bailey, keeping Nikki in the corner, chopping the ring in half. Then Banks and Bailey had quite a funny spot on the apron where they both got trapped in the apron skirt by Nikki and she just went crazy on them, along with Asuka, before the pair of them danced on the commentary table. This match had a lot going for it, didn't it? It definitely did. And after what we saw on Monday Night Raw with Asuka, Kyrie, and Sasha and Billy, this match just wrote itself. You knew it was going to be an absolutely amazing match, and there was no question about it. My favorite spot in this match was when both Sasha and Billy were stuck in the ring apron and just beaten down on. And I love how Billy tries to keep her character very comical, but at the same time very serious when she starts shouting at Nikki Cross every chance she gets, when she starts to just absolutely verbally beat down on all the superstars in the ring. And the way this match ended was kind of a momentum killer for me because we've seen Nikki Cross be the one who's been pinned for the past couple of weeks. Mm. And Bailey has, again, pulled off the heel type of pin by putting her feet on the second rope and then winning the match. But like Michael Cole said here, does this mean that Bailey's scared of what Nikki Cross can do? That's why she has to use heel tactics to win the match? Yeah, they didn't go the way I thought they were going to go, which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. There's that real danger of being the armchair wrestling fan. We're a bit like Star Wars fans. If it doesn't go the way that we thought it was going to go, then we're angry and it was terrible. But I kind of see what they were doing. Instead of, oh, Nikki Cross gets the pin on Bailey, anything could happen at Extreme Rules, she might win the belt, which we have seen before. And I agree with you, everyone might have benefited from that. It might have done the pay-per-view a bit better as well. But they went down another angle where they said she had to cheat to win. Is this going to be the case on Sunday? Does that mean that she feels threatened by Nikki? I would have rather seen what we just talked about, but I don't hate it. I like it that they're trying something new and trying to mix it up a bit. So it was an interesting end. Like you said, Bailey went for a tag. Banks decided to meet your Oscar outside, but missed. Bailey then takes out Oscar, who stood on the outside. It looked like Nikki was going to win, but Bailey then cheated to win. It looked like she was going to win with a Tornado DDT, which, by the way, she delivered superbly on the outside earlier on in the match. Did you see that when she jumped off the announce table and buried her opponent in the floor? That was impressive. If anything like that's going to happen at Extreme Rules, I think she's got a real shot. She definitely does. And Nikki Cross is one of those people who uses her environment around her very, very well. And that's one of the things I love about her. And that Tornado DDT was literally out of this world. It was amazing the way that Bailey was spiked into the ground and the way that Nikki Cross used the announce desk to build up that momentum to spike Bailey. Absolutely wonderful. The end was hilarious when they were walking off with the belts and Bailey had them over her ears and she was like, oh, I can't hear you because of all the gold. She's priceless at the minute, honestly. She's worth her weight in gold right now. Her banks and Oscar, I'd say. I think they're doing a great job. Coming up next, we'd hear very briefly from the Miz and Morrison who were backstage. They were talking up John Morrison's match coming up against Braun Strowman, where they equated it to their life in the movies, where essentially Miz said, well, there's a bit of a David versus Goliath story here. There's a monster. You're the hero. The hero defeats the monster. Well, Morrison said, well, in a horror movie setting, there'd be like a best friend who helps and you'd be the best friend. And Miz was like, hmm, not really a horror guy. Not sure of that. The pair of them terrified of Braun Strowman. They definitely were. You could see how scared Morrison was in his eyes. The fear was all around him. And after what Braun Strowman had been through through the night, I would not want to be anywhere close to him. But unfortunately, the Miz pulled out of this match saying that I have your back. Don't worry about it. You're going to do well. And from there, we were shown an episode of the Firefly Funhouse where Bray Wyatt joined us from the swamp. Yeah, it was a swamp edition of the Firefly Funhouse, wasn't it? It was like the Firefly Swamp Garden. I don't know. (laughs) Firefly Fun Swamp. That's what I meant to say. Yes. (laughs) Bray Wyatt said that he gave Strowman the truth, the purpose, and created the monster he became. Then he said the swamp is a sacred and special place that can never be left once you enter. A part of Strowman, a part of the monster Strowman is 
desperately wanted to come back and stay there because that part of him never left. And the way that he's come up on his own became a monster of himself. It's time for Bray Wyatt, the creator, to end his creation. Absolutely. He kind of alluded to the fact that if I turned you into a monster, if you'd have stayed with me, I would have turned you into the monster, but you went your own separate way. Yeah, you're a monster in your own right, but now it's time to take you down because you didn't do as I wanted, essentially. On the way down to the ring, though, for his match, Braun would actually respond to that with what I thought was one of Braun's best promos ever. It was really intense. Basically saying, I walk through the gates of hell, slap the devil in the face. I'll go to that house, that swamp, and end him before he ends me. Really good. I love this. I feel like it could have been saved until after the match, personally. If he'd have just come down, done his business, and then delivered a promo, it might have had a bit more of a punch. Kind of delayed the momentum a bit. I think it was all right. Cutting that promo before the match was a way of getting Braun Strowman more agitated and Morrison in a much worse of a position. Because that way, Braun Strowman has his momentum build up. He's angry. He's ready to go and fight his creator. And he displayed that anger and frustration through this match with Morrison, which I would say was a squash match, absolute squash match. Morrison was absolutely decimated, annihilated. Any word that says that Morrison was left in no condition to walk anymore. The things that Strowman did to Morrison in this match were from another world. Morrison was tossed around the ring from one corner to the other. And then we got to see shades of the black sheep when Braun Strowman grabbed Morrison into that chokehold that he used to do back when he was with the Wyatt family. Yeah, it was nasty. My favorite part of this match was when Morrison was out on his back on the floor. Strowman picked him up by the neck and just dragged him into a choke slam with brute strength. It was insane. Didn't even post off his shoulder to keep him up or anything. He just grabbed him by the scruff of the neck. And then about 10 feet high in the end, uh, left him on his back. It was insane. Now, personally, I love John Morrison. And we talked about his match with Matt Riddle a few weeks ago and said, what a star he is, how really good John Morrison is. So part of me was like, oh, it's a shame for him to be squashed, essentially. But I kind of feel like this is a sign that he's in the good books with the people that make the decisions backstage because they put him at the top of the card against the champion. Yeah, he's coming out on his back, but they're putting him in the main frame kind of thing. They could have put him against anyone. Why not put him against Braun Strowman and put him in the spotlight? Yeah, he got squashed, but I feel like he has big things coming his way. And this was more of just a gesture from WWE to say, look, we know you're awesome. Do this for us because the spotlight's on Braun at the moment. But eventually, it might be on you as a singles competitor. What do you reckon? There's no way that Morrison is destined for the big things. He's absolutely amazing, and he deserves all the big opportunities he can get. So definitely, there are big themes coming his way, and it's going to be good to see how they pull it off. But another thing that I thought was pulled off really well this match was Braun Strowman's promo after he beat Morrison. He said that, Bray, you better be ready because I'm coming home. And despite that being just one sentence of a promo, it really left that full stop in the story. It really put that exclamation mark in place. Absolutely, it had a lot of impact and a lot of intensity. I feel the same thing about my dinner at the end of the day. I'm like, you better be ready because I'm coming home. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was just enough, wasn't it? It was just the right amount of thing. We didn't need another long-winded paragraph about this, that, and the other. It was like you say, an exclamation point. It was the final stop before the match. And like I mentioned before about turning things up to 11, they nailed it with this. I'm looking forward to that match. It's going to be something we've never seen before. So it's really difficult to make a prediction for. But with the way that those kind of cinematic matches have been going in WWE at the moment, I think we're in for something good. I hope so anyway. I really hope so too. This has the potential to be absolutely amazing. And I just hope this isn't one of those squash matches again where Bray Wyatt just gets put on his back like always because that's really killing his character. And I want to be able to see more of Bray Wyatt. I want to be able to see more of how he works with The Fiend and how he brings it back to life. Absolutely. That's one of the things that squashed his initial character isn't it the eater of worlds he was all talk and then he always just lost wwe learned oh this is a good way to put somebody over because bray's so good on the mic and he's such a good character he's such a good heel that if we have someone beat him then he'll go over and he just got put down so many times that his character kind of died to death a bit honestly i don't think this is his time to win the belt back 
I think we're going to see a return of the Fiend and then maybe something at SummerSlam. I don't know. But it's good to see him back. But I hope that this isn't him back as Eater of Worlds. I really want to see the Fiend again in the future. Next, it was a throwback to last week where we had a karaoke grudge match between Naomi and Lacey Evans. The less said about last week, the better. We're not retreading those waters. This match was okay. I think they had a really difficult slot. The show was all about turning a heat up for extreme rules and then we had this physically it was good there were some nice innovative moves like Lacey's leg sweep followed by jumping elbow over the top rope it really got me out of my seat I thought that's awesome but I just think, think they kind of suffered from where this was on the card and the fact that everyone is so geared up for extreme rules that this is really on the back burner for everybody what do you think I agree with you there was so much that went on before this match that I feel like this was just pushed under the rug, but the athleticism that both women pulled off was absolutely amazing. The one thing I winced at was when Naomi went for the running split onto Lacey Evans. I winced in my seat, but it was absolutely amazing. And I'm kind of disappointed to see that Lacey was built up so much and there was so much hype around her saying that she's one of the main women going into the title scene there's going to be so much done with her and now she's not anywhere near the title she's not anywhere near any main events and it's just sad to see that so much talent isn't being used properly she's not even a karaoke champion that's going to be tough you can't get the women's title scene then you lose out in a karaoke contest where does Lacey go from here maybe there's a wwe network documentary about that you never know, there could be. But according to Lacey's Twitter handle, she is the karaoke champion. Oh, really? Wow. Bold. I think Lacey's best days are still to come. I know they've done this whole sassy Southern Belle thing. Now we've said before, she kind of looks like she works in the gas station. And it's a bit more of a watered down version. I really think she needs a better finisher as well. I'm not a fan of the woman's right. But that's just me personally not being a fan of strike finishers. I think she's going to be a bit of a Becky Lynch. I think she's going to take a while to find a feet and then come into her own. We're still talking maybe a couple of years yet. That could be the case, and I hope it's not, because I'm pretty sure she can pull off a lot of what the women before her time took four or five years to really pull off and get into the big pictures. But one thing that she pulled off really well was the end of this match. She tied up Naomi's hair to the second rope from the apron and jumped back in. And by the time Naomi had her hair untangled, before she could even react, she was hit with a women's right right on the jaw, which I thought was a very good way to end this match. Now, I love Naomi, don't get me wrong, but just a quick side question. Do you feel as though it's time to let go of the glow? Because I feel there's a really difficult decision to make here. The look of the entrance and stuff is amazing. I've been to SmackDown Live and seen her come, and the atmosphere in the arena is awesome. It's so cool to see live. It's great to see on TV. So I get that they'd be surrendering that, but I just don't think it's doing anything for her character. I think there's more she could do. I think she could diversify. What do you think? She's had a lot of characters over the years, and I think being the person with a gimmick of Field of Glow is really working for her. And it could be built up for a while more, and then she could switch back into a heel turn and then just get rid of the character altogether and then work on a new one. You just want some neon hair extensions, don't you? I know your game. <laughs> Her entrance is probably one of the coolest. It is. That's the thing, isn't it? It is a really cool entrance. As a viewer, especially as a kid, you're going to be loving that. And if you've got something that's getting you on TV every week, I can understand why it's not something you just give up easily. No, it's definitely not. And her character can be used in many different ways. I just hope that she's used properly along with Lacey and the other women in the back. I agree with you. I think a heel turn is definitely on the card. So if you look at her husband and his brother, the Usos, they used to have that kind of live pumped where the Usos, you say, ooh, we say, oh, they come out in all the Simone wear and then they change to being heels. And I thought, not sure I'm going to like this. And now I love them. Maybe the future is going to change for Naomi. But be sure we'll cover it. So stay tuned to his, us here at the WrestleCast because we'll keep a watchful eye on her and the rest of the WWE superstars, including Jeff Hardy, who is up next with an interview. Basically, he was asked, why did you accept the match with Sheamus in a bar fire? You're going to the place that you perhaps fear most. And that's exactly what he came back with and said, I've got to face my fears. I've got to face my addiction. I've got to face the demon of my alcoholism along with my bitter rival Sheamus. And then he was asked to make a prediction about the Intercontinental title. 
twice a match, but we never heard it because he was attacked by Seamus from behind. You can't run from me. And then weirdly, he said, I'll see you on SmackDown next week, fella. Are we not going to see him at Extreme Rules then? Do you know something I don't? Because he was just like, see you next week. I'm like, well, I'm tuning in on Sunday, Seamus. <laughs> Hope you can make it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is more to the storyline after Extreme Rules as well. I think they're going to pull this a little bit more. And to be honest, it won't be a bad thing altogether because there's so much going for it and there's so much hype behind it. I think it will work out perfectly even if they do pull this another month or so. But what really confused me was that Elias just disappeared from the storyline altogether. There's nothing left of it. Yeah, what happened to Elias? That could be a storyline right there, couldn't it? What happened to Elias? Is he still injured? Maybe he's following social distancing and saying, don't walk with Elias. Don't walk with Elias. Don't even talk to Elias. Don't write a message in chalk to Elias. I'm running out of things that rhyme with walk. But yeah, he's really taking it seriously, perhaps. And I don't know how he is with his injury. But we've seen him back a bit, but we've not seen him week to week in action. Notably, cool, we do broadcast from Dubai. Elias actually came to meet us, didn't he, last year, which was really cool, to launch WWE 2K20. For anyone who's listening from Dubai, woo, Elias. Really nice guy. Maybe we should have asked him. We should have said, Elias, when are we going to see you back in the ring? What's happening? We should have got the inside scoop. I think I was too awestruck, fanboying too much. Same. I think I lost it when I got to perform his entrance and then talk to him afterwards. You had a whole thing, didn't you? You got to come out and cut a promo. Right, talk about that. I know we're doing a SmackDown thing, but this is awesome. No other wrestling podcast has this. Tell us about it. <laughs> so I'm waiting in line and everyone was getting an opportunity to enact Elias' entrance. And I put my hand up saying, I'll do it. One of the radio presenters who's had me introduce superstars or just enact their entrances he gave me that chance i walked around the front of the gaming store acting like elias only missing the guitar and in the end they cut a promo saying that hey i'm elias i'm the best i can see all of you waiting here for me i don't really care and everywhere i go there can only be one star that's me elias you can watch the video i made on this where i got to meet elias reenacted his entrance and cut a promo there are also a bunch of other videos where i got to meet and interview mojo roy sting and samojo along with gaming reviews and gaming event reviews all of that on my youtube channel the wrestling dude only time i've ever heard people boo in a mall (laughs) 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 but everyone hated you for all the right reasons, so it was very well done. Great cut. Hopefully, Vince McMahon was watching and that phone call is just minutes away. You never know. <laughs> Back to SmackDown now. Next, we saw Bailey and Sasha give an interview backstage where they were congratulated and asked about their momentum, who's got the most. And um, Bailey alluded to science, saying that momentum is mass multiplied by velocity. And she's got the most gold, so she has the highest mass. Therefore, she's got more velocity than Nikki Cross. I love that. So cool. I just love her. I just absolutely love Bailey and Sasha Banks at the moment. It was just really, really, really cool. Really funny. And it kind of makes sense. She's a bit of a know-it-all and the fact that she used science. I'm not sure how factually accurate that science is, by the way, but it was convincing. Fake it till you make it. The fact that she's using that just adds to that whole know-it-all persona. Next, we saw quite a sorry-looking Nikki Cross, who you could tell felt a bit burnt out. She felt like she'd blown it. She lost last week. She's lost this week. Her confidence is shaken. It's not looking good for Nikki right now. It's definitely not. There's a lot to this story that can be added. There's a lot that can be done with this, but because she's the one who's been taking the pins, taking the losses, even in a tag team match. And I really feel Nikki should have won the match this week and just really sealed the deal going into Extreme Rules. But she did get a chance to get rid of all her frustration when she heard Bailey and Sasha Banks behind her talking about whatever it was. She then ran up to Billy, attacked her, got her onto the ground, just went all haywire on her. Sasha tried to pull her off, didn't succeed. Alexa Bliss came in, pushed off Sasha and pulled Nick. And Billy just had her rants to say after that, didn't she? Yeah, mass times velocity, Josie, I'm telling you. That girl can run. She launched herself and took the women's tag team champions out. Bailey was like, you should put her on a leash. It was hilarious. She's amazing. I love them both. It's good to see the scrappy side of Nikki Cross as well. Sometimes we see too much product place, coffee cup holding, sweet smiles. I like the lunatic side of Nikki Cross, so it's good to see that she's set herself loose ahead of Extreme Rules. Now, this was the last thing that we would see on stage or backstage before the main event. AJ Styles versus Matt Riddle for the Intercontinental title. It was teed up to be match of the night. It had a lot of momentum. 
There you go again, math times velocity going into this. And both guys did a really good job at putting themselves over. Riddle was clearly the face to start off the match. He was going for the more technical side, whereas AJ was been a great heel uh, with striking and scrappy, escaping the ring as well. There was all of that, but as the commentators mentioned throughout this match, and as I noticed as well, AJ Styles wasn't really himself. He was eluding Matt Riddle a lot. He was escaping when he could fight his way out of situations. And he was just getting frustrated, which is not AJ Styles at all. Absolutely. Great storytelling from AJ. Really cool. Especially when you're someone who is naturally a technical wrestler like AJ Styles. That's often commonly associated with what we call a baby face, a face or the good guy, as it were. And the nasty guy, the heel, normally does that scrappy, striking, unclean, kind of fighting. So to see AJ put himself so convincingly in that role is awesome. He does a great job of it. Some nice heat from Styles as well, actually. Styles would actually use his, what we call a heat, where the, the heel, the bad guy, comes back. He'd actually use that to take wrestling to Matt Riddle, ground him down, put him in some devastating submissions. I thought AJ had a really good run here. It proved his worth there. Like you say, I think the whole idea of this match was to give Riddle a boost and try and put him over as being a strong, worthy competitor for AJ Styles. There were some real highlights to this match, weren't there? There definitely were. For me, they were the transition from big flashy moves into submissions. AJ Styles was on top rope going for a phenomenal forearm. Matt Riddle quickly countered that into a bro Derek, which AJ Styles countered into a submission of his own. Altogether, this is something that I'd like to see every week. I agree. It was really high impact, lots of intensity, a lot of close calls. There was almost a Styles clash, a phenomenal forearm attempt that went almost into Matt Riddle's finisher. It could have gone either way. The calf crusher turned into the bro to sleep, for example. Like you say, those transitions there. It really left us guessing, which was really cool. I had a real wincing kind of ouch moment, though, when Matt Riddle missed the floating bro off the top rope and just face planted the mat. Ouch, that must have hurt. That definitely would have hurt. Again, another moment to win. Amazing stuff Riddle can do, but really hurtful if it doesn't connect at the right time. Speaking of wincing, I'm wincing for another reason now. There was a moment when Matt Riddle exploded out of the corner, but the cameraman was kind of asleep in the corner on the outside of the <laughs> ring. And he kind of just lodged himself towards the ring, like he just woke up and was like, oh, yeah, and the camera's going everywhere, just as Michael Cole said. And he's exploded out the corner. I was like, what are you commentating on here, Michael Cole? I don't know if they were trying something where the camera moved or the wrestler moved. It was hilarious. <laughs> you know what I mean now. I've said it, don't you? You know what, what I'm talking about. I definitely do. And I thought this guy's camera just turned off for some reason, but then out of nowhere, catapulting himself right into the face of Matt Riddle. Again, confusing. Didn't really make any sense, but if they were trying something, please never do it again. Maybe it was Jeeves. Remember? Seamus's butler, bartender. Maybe he was serving drinks to the NXT superstars and was like, oh, I'm also holding a camera as well. I don't think we've seen the last of Jeeves. You are really hung up on Jeeves. You really want him back on TV. I'm a Jeeves fan. I'm Jeeves' number one fan. If any of you listening have a Paul Heyman shirt that says I'm a Heyman guy or anything like that, for Joe, just have it changed to I'm a Jeeves guy. I'm a Jeeves guy. Hashtag justice for Jeeves. Jeeves needs his redemption against Matt Hardy. He worked so hard on that bar, pouring that champagne. Jeff Hardy. Ah, oh, my mistake. Maybe I've been spending too much time with Jeeves. He's poured me on too many champagnes. <laughs> I can't tell the difference between them. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the match though, a really hard fought match and like you said, it looked like Matt Riddle might take it, there was just no telling which way this would go. I personally thought we were going to see an interruption or something in this one, but it would go the whole way. It looked like Riddle was going to see AJ off through submission and AJ reversed it into a sneaky pin and Riddle couldn't believe it when the ref hit the mat for the three count. This was a perfect end to the match, I'd say, because it gives Matt Riddle the opportunity to transition into his feud with Baron Corbin. It gives Styles the opportunity to work on himself. And like we saw tonight, he wasn't really himself. And I'm guessing it's because he's going to have to put the title on the line so many times against so many different superstars. So it's a good time for Styles to recuperate, get back to the drawing board, work out how he's going to win this match and win all the feuds he has with other superstars. But speaking of adding to feuds, Matt Riddle was attacked 
after he shook hands with AJ Styles at the end of the match by Baron Corbin. And you could clearly see that Corbin was frustrated after what Matt Riddle had done to him last week and then the way that and the way that he attacked Baron Corbin on the Undertaker tribute episode it was all just adding up there and Baron Corbin added that exclamation mark with a devastating end of days that was nasty and the way that Riddle sold it was awesome he looked like a heap of junk metal by the end of it all twisted and used on the floor like a carcass almost. It was really cool. I think this is a really good way to put Matt Riddle over as well. Matt Riddle's quite a divisive baby face. Some people are going to love him. Some people just aren't going to like that whole hippie bro kind of thing. So put him against somebody everybody hates. Everybody hates Baron Corbin. Good move, WWE. Good move. And I'm looking forward to see how this plays out. And I'm going to say it now. This was my match of the night. There's no reason for this not to be the match of the night. There was so much happening in this one match. So much of a story being told between two superstars who were just meeting for this one match. And only had one match prior to this a month ago. There was no build up to this. There was no storyline that really went into saying that hey, Matt Riddle's going to be feuding with AJ Styles now. It was all Matt Riddle's going to be feuding with Baron Corbin. That's what we expected. So this match, in my opinion, told a perfect story, worked out really well. And AJ Styles just makes the chemistry work with everyone he gets into the ring with. Yeah, I can completely understand why he made that call. It was a great match by two awesome wrestlers. Like you say, I think Styles worked particularly hard to manufacture the character in that match. For me, my match of the night is going to be the women's tag match between Asuka and Nikki versus Bailey and Banks. I just love everything they're doing at the moment. I just think they're so good. There was humor, there was technicality, there was storytelling. Somehow, even though Bailey and Banks are on all three shows pretty much every week, it feels like at the moment, they amped this up to 11 going into Extreme Rules. I didn't think it could get hotter, and it did. So definitely full marks for effort, and I really enjoyed the match as well. That is a very close second for me, that match. And I think this is the first time in a very long time that I haven't given a match of the night to a match that had Asuka, Sasha, and Bailey in it. So I'm hoping to see more of this come after this episode, more of the interbrand matches like we saw Asuka come on to SmackDown today. I'm hoping we get to see Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss go over to Raw and have a match do this again. Works out really well. Yeah, why not? I mean, I don't mind the brand split personally, but it is nice to see a bit of a transition. I'm not a big draft fan, where they're like, oh, this is your roster for the next year, see ya. I don't mind the occasional transition. It keeps things fresh. So I agree with you there. It'd be nice to see people make an appearance now and again. Superstar of the night then, because like you say, those two matches were quite close for various different reasons. Other people appeared on the show tonight in impactful ways. Who was your superstar of the night? This is a very tough one because in this one, I have Bray Wyatt in the running as well. I think I'm going to give it to Bray Wyatt. It was a really cutting edge promo and it really just told the story of the past. And you could see that he was ready to go as personal as it was going to get. This worked out really well. Yeah, I think if anyone could sell a Swamp match better, you need to hire them now because... If you just say to someone, hey, I'm watching a Swamp match on Sunday, they'd be like, what are you talking about? But sit them in front of that promo and they'd be like, yeah, I'm watching it too, because it was really good. I'm going to have to go for AJ Styles, though. Even though I put the tag match before that, I think that was a combined effort. I think the way this title match went, for me, it just screams AJ Styles in terms of calling it and storytelling. And... The way that he's able to put himself over as a heel when we all know that he's just naturally such a good technical wrestler, that he's able to be convincing and strong and a champion when he's not doing the stuff that he's renowned for and perhaps best at, you might say, that is worth star of the night for me. So AJ Styles, you are my superstar of the night. Now this is a bit I'm super excited about. Predictions for Extreme Rules, the SmackDown side of things. We talked about the Raw side of the card earlier this week. Now let's talk about the SmackDown side of the card. So do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I think that Braun Strowman is going to lose to Bray Wyatt because he did say in his promo that if I don't beat Bray on Sunday, The Fiend is going to come back to life and The Fiend is everything wrong that I've done in my life. Every bad decision, every bad thought I've had in my mind. So that would be good to see The Fiend come back in a way that really complements the entire story. I'm definitely sure that Cesaro Nakamura 
are winning the tag team titles from the New Day because it's time for the New Day to move on to better things. They can do a lot more and have the opportunity to, like you said, go into their own singles runs and then come back as a team. For sure. Personally, I think the WWE Universal title match, Braun's going to take it. And the idea that I've got to destroy The Fiend now before he comes back is actually the wrong idea. And that's what Bray will come back and say something like, you thought beating me would destroy The Fiend when actually you've just woken him up. See you at SummerSlam. That's when I'll take the belt. That's my prediction there. But you never know if anyone's going to win a Swamp match. It's Bray Wyatt. So it could be anybody's game, essentially. Tag team titles, I'm with you. I want to put my money on Shinsuke and Cesaro. I'm reluctant to because it's the new day and they're eight-time champs. WWE love putting the belts on them. They're such a safe choice. I think they're going to pull the trigger on Shinsuke and Cesaro. I hope they do because Cesaro is a six-time tag champ with Tyson Kidd. And they really worked out well at the time. And I think Cesaro can really carry the entire title with Nakamura involved in this as well. Absolutely. He was great with Sheamus too as part of the bar. They were a fantastic, very underrated tag team. So I think if anyone's got the experience to carry the titles, then Cesaro and Nakamura definitely do. Women's championship match time. What do you think? Bailey versus Nikki Cross. How's that one going to go? As much as I'd love to say that Nikki Cross is going to come out champion, I doubt that's going to be the case. I think that Bailey's going to retain and keep the championship until SummerSlam as she goes into a feud with hopefully Sasha Banks because that would be amazing to see. What's interesting is that earlier we were told that there was going to be a bar fight between Sheamus and Jeff Hardy at Extreme Rules. I'm just looking at Bleacher Report which, as you know, in the wrestling world, it's a prominent website, it's very well respected. And I can't actually see that match on the card because we were talking about it before. And this is, as of today, being updated. And there's nothing on there about that match. So for one reason or another, it looks like they've pulled the bar fight. So when Sheamus said earlier, I'm going to see you on SmackDown next week, maybe they've moved it. Maybe they thought the card was too full. Maybe there's a, a COVID-related situation. But it looks like it's been pulled. What do you make of that? I don't know what they're playing at with this one because it's been hyped up to be one of the biggest matches in Jeff Hardy's career, especially with his addiction in play. But why pull it off of a pay-per-view where you could end things and push it off to an episode of SmackDown, which wouldn't really do it justice? Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I don't really understand why they've done it. I don't know what the purpose is. Just doing a spot of research now, speaking of breaking news, it looks like they have pulled the match and they're going to pull the trigger on it, perhaps to help boost SmackDown's ratings. Now, there's no official line from WWE at the moment, but from what some of the big boys and us here at the WrestleCast are saying online is that it looks like it's been officially pulled with no reason why. Speculation is that it may perhaps be moved to SmackDown to try and drag in some ratings. Seems bizarre, though that they would pull a bar fight, which is an Extreme Rules style match from Extreme Rules. You heard it here first. There's no official word on why it's been pulled, but we can confirm that Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, which was one of the first matches to be set on the card, might I add, will not actually happen at Extreme Rules. I'm a bit gutted. I feel like a bit cheated. I was excited for it. Me too. I was really hoping to see how they'd pull this off, especially with Sheamus's mind games. Jeff Hardy's control issues. Would he be able to control himself? Would Sheamus finally make him succumb to his addiction? How would this all be played out? But it's been pulled off. You don't know how they're going to do it on SmackDown, but I don't feel like it's going to have the same vibe to it if it was on an episode of SmackDown. No, exactly. And chances are it'll probably be pre-recorded as well if it's on SmackDown. That's just my personal opinion. It might have been, I guess, for Extreme Rules. As a pay-per-view, it feels like it's more likely to be live. I just always get that feeling. Maybe WWE have just done a number on me. I'm a bit gutted. It's exciting that we found it out live on air, but I feel a bit cheated. I feel like someone's taken my toys away and I haven't done anything to deserve it. I've been a good boy, Shozy. I'm being punished. That's how I feel. <laughs> but there's not much we can do about that. Expect a... Good showing of the match at SmackDown next week. And hopefully it is. Hopefully it's not one of those things that just kind of lose its vibe and just lose the spark of it. 
And if you'd like to let us know what you think about this match moving on from Extreme Rules to SmackDown, you can let us know on Instagram and Twitter. On Instagram, you can find us at the WrestleGram, and on Twitter, you can find us at Real Wrestle Dude. I am looking for the shocked emoji on my phone so that I can tag us on social media because that's how I feel. I'm absolutely gobsmacked. There is no other way to say this, honestly. Just gobsmacked, shocked, surprised. Those are the only words that come to mind. That's the tweet I'm about to put out. Gobsmacked, shocked, surprised. Done. That'll meet the character count, won't it? For the amount of shocked emojis I'll need to really put over how I feel. So that's it, I think. We've made our predictions for Extreme Rules. We found out some breaking news. Perhaps the first match that was promoted for the card is actually now not happening. And that does it from me. This is actually the last of our weekly show reviews, isn't it, for a while. So it's our last Smackdown review for a while. But we're moving on to bigger better, brighter things, aren't we? We've got some things in the pipeline. Not really quite to share them with you just yet, but keep your eyes peeled because we'll be coming at you with some brand new content lighting up the world of wrestling online. We definitely are. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram once again. On Twitter, it is at RealWrestleDude. On Instagram, it is at the WrestleGram to stay updated with all the new releases, all the new information that comes out. I think it's a good job we're not doing this next week because my jaw's still going to be on the floor. I'm still in shock. And hopefully, <laughs> though, part of that jaw drop will be due to the high quality of Extreme Rules. I just want to say I've absolutely loved doing this podcast. It's been a dream working with you, Josie, and obviously working alongside the wrestling universe across the world. The amount of people that we've spoken to and heard from right across the world. We broadcast from the Middle East, Dubai to be specific, but we've heard from people from the United States, Canada, Germany, Kazakhstan, everywhere, haven't we? Up and down, far and wide. It definitely has been a pleasure to be able to bring this podcast out to all of you with the reviews, updates, and results of Monday Night Raw and Friday Night Smackdown. But if you'd like to catch up with our other episodes, which we've put out in the past, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and a bunch of other podcasting platforms. You can also search for The WrestleCast, which shows the on Google, and you'll have another bunch of results to go off of. Classic WrestleCast. Maybe that's what we can dub it as, the past episodes. But don't worry, it's not the last that you're going to hear from us. We're just doing something new, all right? So you'll still hear our lovely voices, and we're still going to be interacting with you, and we can't wait to hear all of your responses to Extreme Rules. So make sure... Like Josie says, get into it on social media and I will see you again really soon. I've been Josie. My name's Joe. And until next time. <laughs>